You know I'm gonna get you, yeah, whatever it takes to get there. Well, what has gone on with the quarterback market in recent days? Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay. Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos. And just today on Wednesday, Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. The QB carousel is in full motion with free agency less than a week away. All of that and more on this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. Bird, Jake. Jake, what's up? Well, you forgot Drew Locke going to the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. How could, how could, uh, forgive me. Forgive me for forgetting about Drew Locke. Yeah, but doing well, man. Should be an eventful show. Finally yeah. got a lot to, uh, we don't have to manufacture some stuff to talk about. We can actually talk about a lot, but, oh, not, no, baseball. but not baseball, of course. We, 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 won't, we, we don't need to get into that. No, no, please. Come on now. That's uh, that's uh, that's silly talk. Like we need, like we need to talk about baseball. Um, yeah. So we obviously have a lot to talk about with, uh, with the, with the quarterbacks. Uh, again, like I said, on the basement talk podcast, fantasy show, give everyone just a uh, scheduling update very quickly. Sunday, Adam and I will be doing a bracket analysis show after the selection show. So for all people that will be filling out their brackets, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, We'll have you covered. That episode will uh, will be out on Sunday. Just initial thoughts about the bracket, where upsets can happen, tricky spots to kind of analyze. Then Monday, we'll have the full crew on one show. Jake, myself, Adam will be doing a free agent prediction show. That'll be found on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And then Tuesday, Jake and I will be going through the brackets. We're making all of our picks. That'll be a just however long basement talk podcast that'll go on whether it's whether it takes us two and a half hours whether it takes us an hour doesn't matter we'll be here as long as we just get through all the games talk about them and we'll fill up both of our brackets live on the pod uh but for this episode obviously we talked about uh the quarterbacks we will be talking about the quarterbacks we were talking about ufc 272 that took place over the weekend i want to uh send a very very special shout out to uh to Kevin Holland, to Rafael Dos Anjos, and to Colby Covington for winning me a, a nice little a nice little payday from the weekend. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll be talking more about that in a little while. And we'll be talking, of course, some, some March Madness on this episode as well. And then, of course, a top five at the end of the show. A very interesting top five today, which uh, can definitely be a lot of different avenues can be selected with the category that we chose today that'll be at the very end of today's program but first jake as usual deep sleeper of the week buddy what you got all right so deep sleeper for me this week hear me out here hear me hear me hear me out sure you're you're gonna you're gonna hate this one but new dish that i have recently tried oh very good dish, very good recipe. Okay. Buffalo chicken pasta. Yeah, no, not for me. You say that now. See quality, quality dish right there, my friend. See, I, I understand the appeal. I understand the appeal. I just don't do spicy. But it but you could put the blue cheese and like blue cheese and it's not too spicy with blue cheese and ranch in there. Ugh, I hate blue cheese and I hate ranch. Yeah, no. Or you could do barbecue chicken. Either way, I don't know if that's you know honey barbecue. I'm telling you, man, that's not bad. That's not bad. I I I can do it. 
like you would think it would be kind of gross because you think of like pasta with sauce of or as course, I'd say gravy. Course, but, pasta and marinara um, sauce. Come on now. Exactly. My but red gravy. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, man, it's a sleeper. I, I think we might see this on some more uh, dinner tables down the line. I think so. I, 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 the deli that I go to, they, they have it out all day. They have it all. It's, they have it out all day, and then it's uh, it's, it's, it's very it popular. It might become a fixture. Yeah. It might be. It might become a fixture very soon. I I think I think it is, but I think most people also look at you know the 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 usual red gravy, and they they say, you know, that's what I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my red sauce, and that's it. It's a nice change up. It's a nice change up. It's a nice change up. Give it. But a, I'm a, I'm also try. very very conservative when it comes to my Italian dishes. It's not really an Italian dish, though. No, 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 no. But more pasta, of an American pasta, dish. Pasta yeah. is an Italian dish. It's not like it's not like I'm telling you, hey, let's come over tonight and I'm serving you buffalo chicken or barbecue chicken pasta. This is more of like, hey, you know, let's watch football today and let's have buffalo chicken pasta. Correct. Correct. I See mean, I, I'm also I'm also not the not the biggest buffalo wing fan. I know that's like a very uh, very unpopular take. I just don't. Not for me. It's for me. I, it's for a lot of love, people. It's lo- for love Buffalo. It's for for most of the world, actually. Yeah, it's for most people. <laughs> it's for most people. I, I I definitely know that I'm in the minority on that one. I know that for yeah. a fact. But I'm just I'm not. I don't do the whole wings thing. Not well, for me. That's, that sucks to be you. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, it sucks to be me in more ways than one. Uh, my deep sleeper, and I was gonna go with something different. But I actually decided because literally an hour before we recorded, and this was news to me that this came out today, the trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries that's going to be airing on Disney Plus finally came out. It's a minute and 42 seconds. It's the, it's the best minute and 42 seconds I spent doing anything in quite a while. I am very excited. Are you are, now? Are you, are you a Star Wars guy? I'm like a. I'm not like you know showing up to the door conventions with my costume on, but okay, I you're not Adam Star, and I. I have seen Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, you're not I, Adam and I. I've seen it, but I'm not like you know what I'm saying. It's it was like yeah. one of those things where I had nothing better to do, but I'm much more passionate about let's say Harry Potter, for instance. That 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 to me is like my nerd type see, thing. See, it's very interesting. I, I I have never watched a single second of Harry Potter. It's very good. It requires a lot of focus if you watch. You can't just sit there. It can't be background noise. Like you'll be bored mm-hmm. out of your brains. But see, if you, I'm telling you though, I, I recommend it. It's, I think you especially would like it. See the the ADD in me would always flip to would just go no, traveling into five million different directions. It, but it's not like that. T- but it, just m- some type of attention you need. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. But. It's interesting because, you know, I read the book. I read the books, too. So, you know, I've seen the books. The mo- I've read the movie. I, you know, I haven't seen the Broadway play yet. But, yeah, but no, Star Wars, I- I'll have to check that out. It's it's supposed to be I- – I don't know if they're going to make it – like, you know how they have, of course, um, Mandalorian and they have the yep. Boba Fett. I don't know if this, this Obi-Wan series is going to be like that where it's going to be just continuous. I think they're, it's specifically just like a one-off miniseries and that's it. But even then, like the video that I watched was out for two hours and it already had three and a half million views. How many episodes did they even announce that or 
I don't think they announced it's a mini. it. If I, had, if I had to guess, I would say I was, probably in the range of like six. Yeah, if it's a mini series, especially the regular series these days get about ten. Yeah, 10 most, to 12, most, no of the, more. most of them are ten or twelve. Yeah, so you think HBO, like half if, that. Yeah, HBO is usually ten, and then if Netflix, Netflix, I think they they range. They definitely vary. Like, oh, like I'd Ozark, say twelve. Ozark, you know, you, you're you're pushing, you know, fourteen maybe, and then you know when you have something like. Um, uh, Stranger Things, Stranger Things, I, I know is twelve. They usually cap that at twelve. Takes them five years to make twelve episodes. Crazy, crazy, absolutely, absolutely crazy, ludicrous. Um, but let me let me ask you, let me ask you this, as a casual Star Wars observer, what is your favorite Star Wars film? If you had, if you had to, if you had to choose, and Adam, Adam is listening. Hi, Adam. So we, Adam and I have different opinions on this. So I'm very curious as to what your answer Turn is. Turn of the Jedi. I mean, um, that's, a, I mean, it's a very safe answer. It's a very yeah. safe answer. Return, Return of the Jedi like, is great. I'm not like that. Pa- I've seen, I saw them a lot when I was younger, if that makes yeah. sense too. So yeah. it's not like I'm sitting there rewatching stuff. Like I probably seen it once oh, that's, and, that's, and that's about it. Like yeah, if it's in I the movies, I'll go see it, but I'm not like, you know, no, can't say the maybe same. I'll, maybe I, I'll rewatch them all one day. But yeah, I'd probably say Return of the Jedi if I had to. But I'm a big fan of. Well, I, I don't want to spoil anything. If not, I was a big fan of Han Solo. But oh, Han Solo was great. Yeah, it's honestly crazy though because when are they going to stop making films? They're not. They're not. It, it, they're just you don't think keep, so? They're going to keep pumping out as much as they possibly can until as as morbid as this sounds, till the Star Wars generation dies out. Which so? is not which is not going to happen because it, it it is like it is I guess in a way it's like Harry Potter but they haven't done anything Harry Potter you, new you Harry Potter in you can't though that's the problem well they are right. they they're doing the Fantastic Beasts series which is oh a they are off of, it's kind of like a prequel of Harry Potter if that makes okay. sense the new ones actually the the next one is in April which is the one about Dumbledore which will be much more relatable to Harry Potter the first one was had nothing really to do much with the Harry Potter world right the second one was a little bit more to do with it. The third one will have uh, a good amount because obviously everyone knows Alvis Dumbledore. Yes, that, that is, that is correct. Even I do. Even I know that, that Dumbledore is the very, very large man with the white beard. It looks like Santa yes. Claus. Even, even I know who, who, uh, who, who Dumbledore is. Um, I see. I can't say the same about my, my affinity for star Wars. I think the last time I watched uh, revenge of the Sith, which is my favorite star Wars film was about, yeah two weeks ago two three weeks ago for probably the 20th time and never gets old and then uh christmas eve christmas eve me and my uh my cousin's fiance uh we were taste testing bourbon and watching star wars the two of us we watched return we watched return of the jedi and revenge of the sith until like four in the morning there you go it was truly a, a, a wonderful time wonderful time Santa was a bit late for, for all the for all the children out there. Santa was a bit late in terms of delivering the the presents under the tree, because you know Star Wars Star Wars had to happen. And there's never there's Imagine never so. a bad there's never a bad time for Star Wars ever. Best lightsaber duel of all time: Obi Wan Kenobi versus Anakin. Any other answer is wrong. All right, so Jake, let me, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let's have. I'm usually the one that's in that's in control of things. 
what would you like to talk about first? Because there, there are just a million different things that we could talk about. On you you got to talk about Russell Wilson getting traded. I mean, what are we doing oh. here? Russell, well, this is Russell Wilson we're talking about here. We could talk about the quarterbacks first. We could talk about NCAA, or we could talk about UFC first. Would you like quarterbacks? Would, qu- quarterbacks, UFC, NCAA. Okay, fine. So let's 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 start with with the quarterbacks then. Uh, we'll start with we'll start with Rogers because I think that's the least surprising yeah, one, true. and then we'll work our work our way up. So Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay, he's going to sign a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers, which looks like will make him a Packer for life. Which Jake and I were on record in saying this wasn't a real surprise to anybody that Rodgers was going to go back to Green Bay. I actually put in a future about two weeks ago. I put in a future at the Packers were 170 to win the NFC North. And as of today, their line went up to about minus 300 to retain as champions of the NFC North. So anybody who got that line at 170, good job. Good job. I'm right. I'm right there with you. I put about 200 bucks on it. Uh, So, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Packers don't let me down there. But uh, Rogers going back to the Packers. Good news for uh, all the Packers fans, as they uh, obviously would have been completely screwed if they did not have Aaron Rodgers back. They tagged Devontae Adams, so the band will be back together for uh, for 2022. Jake, yeah, definitely the favorites to win the NFC North. That goes without saying. That division is pretty horrid. And then in, you look at the NFC. Russell Wilson is now in the AFC. Outside of the Rams, you have the AFC NFC East, where what do you really have there other than Dak Prescott? Not much. N- not much, but I, I have heard some stuff about, about Dallas over the last 24 hours with some things that have happened. Okay, well, regardless, they're not better than the Packers right now. So No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You don't have to fear any of the teams in the NFC East. You obviously need to fear the 49ers, regardless of who's playing quarterback, because they've had your number your entire career, especially in the postseason. So there's mm-hmm. two teams. And then, obviously, the NFC South is not the same without Tom Brady. So that's another nemesis foe you can cross off your list. So if you can just get over your hurdles against the San Francisco 49ers and maybe the Los Angeles Rams, the teams out West, guess what? You're playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so And the Cardinals. A Cliff Kingsbury team in the second half. I, of the season? I would still put. I wouldn't put the Cardinals in in that category of the Packers I, and the Rams, but I would put them in the same category as Dallas. I would. I really, I really think Cliff Kingsbury is a horrific coach. I think he's a. I think Mike McCarthy horrific. is a horrific coach as well. But they're uh, two. Yeah, Arizona's a good football team. And Arizona talent, play, talent will yeah. show. Arizona plays in a division though with the with the Rams and mm-hmm. the Niners. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson's going to Seattle. Who knows? I've heard some reports that Seattle might be looking there. So uh, I, I have as well. Going there. Yeah, so, I, I have as well. I, I I've so even heard that know. that one of the, the one of the possible things that was mentioned was a Russell for Deshaun trade, but Russell did not want to go to Houston. Well, so that put the, what that what a surprise there. You didn't want to go play for the Texans. I, I know what what a massive surprise as as if anybody really really needed to hear so, that, that that Russell Wilson didn't want to go spend the rest of his career with the Houston Texans. What what right. a, what so, a massive massive surprise. So um, Rogers definitely made the right decision for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. He he made he made the right call because I I, I think I don't want to say that he bought in because he wanted to stay with Devontae Adams but he knew that there was no chance that Devontae Adams was going to leave Green Bay. 
So he bought in to stay with Devontae Adams. I don't think that's a smart move. uh, I think that had maybe something to do with it, but in term, I think it's just in terms of winning, in terms of continuity. He knew that his best shot was in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, because where else? Where else really was Rogers going to go to have the same shot of winning? He could have gone to Denver, maybe, but yes, again, the AFC is loaded, especially the AFC West, where you got to play Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr is no slouch either. Absolutely. The only other spot that I could have seen that maybe would have made sense would have been San Francisco. That would have been maybe the spot. Maybe but or again, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. But, but then again, you have to play Matt Rule, but yeah, you get yeah, the point. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to play with Christian McCaffrey, maybe if, if he's, if he even stays there, San Francisco probably would have been the, the, the spot outside of, outside of Green Bay. Cause like you said, he could have gone to, he could have gone to Denver. And of course the, the, the dots were there with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, his old offensive coordinator, but like you said, he would have had to contend with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's five quarterbacks right there. That and and I mean that that right there is a gauntlet to have to have to contend. And then with. you also the AFC is just so crazy because they have all those premier quarterbacks, and then you have all the best prospects mm-hmm. in the draft from a year ago, except for I mean Justin Fields. We know. I was never the biggest guy. And all of a sudden, everybody saw him at the throwing motion now being a concern. Well, who, who would have seen that coming no, out of college? No, you did. You, you did say that. I, I, I'm, I think we both did. But I, I wasn't as down on fields as as you were. I saw I saw some things like I wasn't a fan, like a huge, yeah. huge fan. But I wasn't as down as you were. You were very, very down but, on, on field. But but all of them appeared to be and the the best ones. That is, in my opinion, are. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, those three are in the AFC as well. Crazy. Yeah, correct. And potentially there, there, there may be some more going to going to the AFC if there are some teams that are going to take they're going to take quarterback uh in, in this draft because now it looks like Houston may keep the number three pick and take a quarterback. No, I doubt that. Uh, I, I doubt it too. They they should be trading down from number three, quite personally. Like I, I don't think there's anybody at number three that's gonna, that's going to help them, but they trade down, potentially pick up another first round pick next year. Then I think you start bringing the quarterback into in, into consideration, realistically, for for the Texans, unless they just absolutely fall in love with uh, with Malik Willis or uh, or Kenny Pickett, who Willis apparently just wowed everyone. At, at, I got. At the I told you line. that before. I I was big on Willis a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I, there's some things still. There's some things still that I'm not completely sold on with Willis, but I, he'll be, he'll be explosive. I, I, I'm still, I'm very much in the picket camp. The team for me that needs to draft Malik Willis is the Atlanta Falcons. It makes so much sense at number eight. Yeah, I, I, I would it really say, it does. If they don't, if they don't do it, I would even say the team at number nine. Now the Seahawks. It depends with the, the yes and no. <laughs> but he wouldn't. He wouldn't start right away. He would. He would not start right away with with Seattle. I think they would. They would let Locke start does, the season and then. Does Pete Carroll want to rebuild though. No, no. I'm surprised that he hasn't announced his resignation already. To be yeah, quite honest, so that that's the thing that kind of confused me. But Atlanta makes just all the sense in the world. You have another rebuilding year. You let Matt. You let Matt Ryan have his going away party. Let one last hurrah. You let Malik Willis learn behind probably the best quarterback in Falcon history, Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, and you go and, and that offense is perfect for him, Arthur Smith. All, all those rollouts and Arthur Smith is this great offensive mind that can create a playbook for anybody. 
But look what yeah. he did with Ryan Tannehill. And, and honestly, the Falcons were competitive last year, I thought. I don't know how, but they were. Yeah, they, 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 they played had, hard. Had their moments. They played yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. So that's a great fit. That that really is the fit for me if I'm a team looking for a quarterback. I think Carolina as well at, at six yeah. could be an, an interesting spot, especially if they are truly going to commit to tearing the just the whole thing down. Here's my thing, though, with Carolina is your Matt Rule. You're coaching for your job. See what I'm saying? So I don't know if Matt Rule wants to place his faith in a rookie quarterback. I think they will do whatever it takes probably to go get a Deshaun Watson. But it's just funny because everybody tried telling me Sam Darnold was this uh, this great quarterback after three great games at the start of last season. Yeah. 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 Where are they at? I just think that the whole organization is just is, is just very, very, very flawed. But yeah. But yeah, and and they don't worry, they still have four more years to pay Matt Rule. So don't that that contract yeah. has worked out just just absolutely just fantastic for uh, for the Carolina. I knew that Panthers. would go that way. But yeah, yeah man, Rogers, great move. <laughs> yep, great move, smart move. Uh, Denver with Russell Wilson, uh, the package in full. We'll see Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth round pick. Going to Denver for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris. 2022 first, a 2023 first, a 2022 second, a 2022 fifth, and a 2023 second. Uh, basically, we, we Adam and I had talked about this on the, on the fantasy show. It's a move that Denver simply had to make. They have a team that is ready to contend. They were a quarterback away from being able to contend. Now they have one with Russell Wilson, and now it's all systems go for the Broncos. Yeah, it's honestly a really exciting era of football because you have franchise star quarterbacks changing teams almost every single offseason now, right? You have Matthew Stafford last year go from a terrible franchise in the Lions over to the Rams wins the Super Bowl. You're seeing Russell Wilson now just getting fed up with Seattle and Pete Carroll's dinosaur ways now going to Denver and now you look you have weapons everywhere you have Judy you have Cortland Sutton you have Javante Williams these are guys that are ready to ascend that have just not had the quarterback play and that's why if you're Denver playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert you you simply could not go into the next season with another draft pick or another what do you call those uh what, what bridge, they call those? bridge quarterback, bridge quarterback retreads. If that retreads. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Like a retread, like a Teddy you, Bridgewater, you, like they had. Right. If you go out there and get Jimmy Garoppolo, what the hell are you accomplishing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. So I, I really love this move. If you're, if you're Denver and like everybody in football, I think the most overrated thing, and there's two things that I think in football are just insanely overrated. Number one age, because the next guy we're going to talk about right here, we kind of know who he is at this point at his age. So age and first round draft picks. I don't understand what the infatuation is with first round picks, but not everybody drafted in the first round is going to be a superstar. And what are the odds that you are going to find a player that will be better than Russell Wilson? Albeit a 38 year old Russell Wilson, probably not too high, right? No. So great move. If you're Denver, great move. And honestly, if I wish my, I wish my team made more swings like this. And I think a lot of others, a lot of other fans wishes their teams did that too. I think that the price that they paid, it's, it's a big price. Like no doubt. I think, I think it was pretty cheap. I think see me personally, I think Seattle did pretty well 
with where they are at. They they need picks. They got a good amount of picks. I mean, two seconds and two firsts. Yeah, you did all right. You did all right there. Did you do great? Eh, I don't know if I would say, you know, fantastic. I don't know if I would say, you know, it's a perfect return, but you did you did well. You did well. Um, but obviously, if Russell Wilson comes into Denver and wins Denver a Super Bowl, the, the price is irrelevant. The price is irrelevant. And especially, you know, I think we talk about this, you and I, when we talk about the NBA and how draft picks are kind of irrelevant for contending teams, especially first-round picks. I think it's it's the same thing here, where if you're the Denver Broncos, ideally, with Russell Wilson, you're going to be picking in the, in the 20s, if not in the 30s. In, in the first round. So those two first round picks, the 2022 first and the 2023 first, they're, they're largely irrelevant because it's not like we're talking, you know, Oh, they're going to be two top 10 picks that are, that are going to, that are going to, uh, to Seattle. Like, like for example, the first round picks that Seattle sent to the jets in the Jamal Adams trade, that was a fucking disaster. Well, they traded almost. They trade in comparison. They traded two firsts and a third and a starting player for a safety. Yep. Yeah. Who's and they got who, and they and they got the same amount of first round picks back for Russell Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Correct. Correct. At a, a, a safety that, that didn't want to be losing in New York is now going to be losing in I, Seattle. I've never been more satisfied to see a guy. Fa- I've never rooted against a player this badly in my life. Uh, I think you and every you and every Jets fan is, is, are are very much in the uh, in the same camp there in terms of just very much rooting against Jamal Adams to be uh, any sort of successful. To be quite honest, yeah, I'm, I too. That was that was potentially a, cha- a franchise changing trade right there. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, now now you have you have the Jets who are now going to have two top ten picks, and but well, one uh, of them know, was already used. Yeah, well, well, then this year. This year, this 10th pick. Hopefully, yeah, this, I, listen, a little birdie told me that the Jets tried calling for DK Metcalf with that 10th overall pick. Uh, yeah, I, I, we actually, I did talk about that with um, with Adam off air. And I did say, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't ask him 10. I said, if, if, um, if four was the price, would you pay number four overall for DK Metcalf? And a- Adam, Adam did say yes. Four is a little too rich. If you can get Kayvon Thibodeau at four, if you're the Jets, you don't do that. Um. See, again, I, I we, we did talk about this. I don't want to talk about the draft too much. We'll be talking so much about the draft uh, in the next couple of weeks. I'm not a Thibodeau guy. I've watched so much it's, of him. I, I, I'm more in the Hutchinson camp than I am in the Thibodeau camp. I know we have a lot to talk about. Kayvon Thibodeau is my my number one rated player coming out of this draft. Very interesting. Cause we, I talked about this with, with Adam on the fantasy show. He's my number 29. He's my number one. We're going to say, we're going to say, because I, I'm very much in the, in the Hutchinson camp, but we will, Hey, we will, we will most definitely, uh, most definitely see. And um, I will also put this out there a little, uh, little pre promo before it, uh, before it goes out uh, talking point sports.com. Uh, I am uh, writing my free agency predictions column. And that will be out tonight, Wednesday. So by the time you hear this uh, on Friday, uh, that article will be out and ready to uh, ready to consume. And then of course, you'll hear the rest of the uh, rest of the picks that we all have collectively on uh, on Monday. And now the Carson Wentz trade, which I don't want to say I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because it, it it didn't, 
because there was there were rumblings over the last couple of days that Carson Wentz was not going to be a member of the Indianapolis Colts uh, next year. And here we are. He is not a member of the Indianapolis Colts anymore. Uh, the trade is Carson Wentz going to Washington for two third round picks, one in 22, one in 2023. The 2023 third rounder could become a second round pick if Wentz plays 70% of Washington's snaps and the teams are also swapping second round picks in 2022. The Colts are moving up from number 47 to number 42. So a five spot jump uh, in that as, and as well. And the Washington commanders are also going to be paying the full 28 million due to Wentz for the 2022 season, including a $5 million roster bonus roster bonus coming next week. And this also comes off of the commanders offering three first round picks and more to Seattle for Russell Wilson, but the Seahawks decided to send Wilson to the AFC. A, I would say a very smart move there. So Russell Wilson can come back and haunt Seattle um, whenever they, they do play. But uh, Jake, your your initial thoughts about the trade of uh, of Wentz going to, going to Washington, going back to the NFC East? Yeah, this is just one of those things where if you're Indianapolis, you have to almost be throwing a parade because you get another crack at finding the answer to your quarterback solution. And Carson Wentz clearly was not the answer. I get it; he's still relatively young. But what type of improvement are we talking here from Carson Wentz? Because the type of improvement that the Colts need him to make is something that Carson Wentz will not be able to do in his career, plain and simple. So you move off that. You don't have to pay him the rest of his contract. You can, you don't have a first round pick this year. So it's not like you can go out there and get a rookie. It's, it's, it's an interesting situation to be honest with you. Everyone out there is talking about Jimmy Garoppolo to the Colts. I got news for you. There's two guys that I think that are out there that won't cost a, a draft pick of any sorts. That won't be too expensive that I think are personally, I'd rather have than Jimmy Garoppolo to be, to be honest, then maybe next year will be the year the Colts make make to look that aggressive splash in the draft or free agency because they're not going to be able to get to Sean Watson. So outside of now that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are back, where are they getting that premier take-you-over-the-top quarterback? It's just not out there, plain and simple. No, it's not. That guy that guy simply doesn't exist in, in the market right now. It, it, it is to Sean Watson, but – with the Texans, obviously, in the AFC South with the Colts. It's not happening. It's not happening. No. So you, the odds are they're going to have to draft uh, draft a guy. Maybe it could be this year. Maybe they have a first-round pick. Yeah. I I, I, I I was talking about in, like, the second or, or the oh, third round. Maybe no, they draft someone to try and develop that. But, yeah, it's going to have to come via, via some sort of trade. Um, Hear me out here. Yeah, go ahead. What about... I present you with option B. How about Marcus Mariota to the Colts? Mm, see, I, I'm like the furthest thing from Marcus Mariota guy. So All right, I, I, I here, just hear Mariota. I go, well, here's my other option. What about Jameis Winston to the Colts? Working with Frank Reich. We saw Jameis play pretty well last year for the Saints yeah. before he got hurt. Probably yeah. would have made the playoffs if Jameis never got hurt. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a bad link at all i'm telling you right now i will debate this until the end of human mankind power whatever 
I think Jameis is better than about 20 to 25 quarterbacks in the National Football League, including Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, I would say I would say I would say he's definitely I, better than Jimmy. I think if you're the Colts, if you get Jameis for a year, I think you upgrade. I think he might be better than Carson Wentz, to be completely honest with you. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I like think I think so. you're upgrading with Jameis for a year. Yeah, I, and I think Jameis definitely showed flashes in 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 New Orleans. And I, I honestly, I have to say, the the two years that he spent in New Orleans, one year behind Drew Brees, and then the other year, be becoming the starter, then getting hurt. I really think that helped Jameis a lot. I think it was probably one of the best moves that he could have made for his career, just going and learning from one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it and one of the best head coaches in in the National Football League and Sean Payton. And now, like, are we saying that Jameis Woods is going to be, you know, going to be at the level of a Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson? Kind no, of I already? think he's no. been on what they got, though. He oh, – Absolutely, because right now their starter, their starter is Sam Ellinger. Like, oh no, I'm saying I think he was better than the guy that they just traded to Washington. Who we'll get to Washington, but my own guys. I get it. Washington was kind of in a weird position though, so you kind of give him pass. But Washington was a team at 11. It's interesting because you see all these quarterback moves. It says a lot about the quarterback class. You know what I'm saying? This sudden after we just had the combine. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, and I, I also think it says a lot about about maybe teams and their view on what their window looks like. I think you look at Denver; they knew they were a quarterback away, and they were not going to go where they wanted or where they think they can go with just going with a rookie option. I think the same thing could be said about Washington as well, where Washington could see they have the defense to contend, they have the weapons on offense, they just need a quarterback in what is a relatively pretty weak nfc east aside from from dallas but dallas we all know the story with dallas they they can either be the, you know the best thing we've ever seen or they could be absolutely shocking like they were in the wild card game against san francisco so washington could see that quite possibly they could think that if we had a quarterback in here not someone that can just blow the cover off off of the field but someone that can be a proper game manager could get the ball to our guys on a consistent basis better than they had with Taylor Heineke, they, they could see that maybe they have a chance to win the NFC East. A guy that's won the NFC East before, too. Nonetheless. Yes. Yeah. I, okay. I just think I just don't like Carson Wentz. That, to me personally, I'm just not a Carson Wentz guy. No, I'm, I'm not a Carson Wentz guy either. But I think what he does really, really well is not make too many costly mistakes, which is what yeah. I think Washington needs. Because I, I, I think Terry McLaurin – is one of the best receivers in the National Football League that nobody talks about. but And now they finally have a guy that can help McLaurin become more of a household name. We saw, Carson, <laughs> we saw Carson Wentz do that with Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, yeah. in, in year, coming into year three, Michael Pittman is being talked about as someone that could make that jump into being uh, a top-tier receiver in this league. M- McLaurin has done, has done that really, really quietly with terrible quarterback play. And now that you get a guy in there that I think is going to know, okay, I got to get McLaurin involved. And he's going to. He's going let, to. Let me give you another interesting name for Indianapolis. What about Ryan Fitzpatrick? <sighs> See, I, 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 me personally, I'm just very done with the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. It's an interesting journey. It's very interesting journey. I, I, I Again, I just don't really know where you where you go with 
with the Fitzpatrick type unless you're drafting a quarterback and you really yeah. think the quarterback that you're getting is a guy that'll be ready to play in the second half of the year. Because I just don't see Fitzpatrick being a guy that's going to that's gonna be playing 17 games. I, I, I just don't. Not at this stage. Fair enough. Just spitballing ideas here. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, Colts are an, fascinating. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. I, I, I mean, if they try to get Andrew Luck out of retirement. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Mercer made that call. I, I really wouldn't. I'm be sure Ursay has made the call. I'm sure Ursay has probably tried to call Tom Brady to come out of retirement too. Probably, probably right. I mean, here's another one. If we're, if we're just spitballing, how about Andy Dalton? Oh no, 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 oh, no! Oh no. please, you just mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, uh, I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick right now over Andy Dalton. I'll tell you that much. The last See, time I, would, I saw I, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had the Dolphins ready to go to the playoffs until they put Tua back in the lineup. Uh, I would, I would take. I would take Dalton at this stage. I'd rather have Mariota start than I'd rather Marcus Mariota than Andy Dalton. I'd rather Marcus Mariota for both of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'd rather Marcus Mariota for both of them. I think he offers more. He definitely offers more. Uh, but yeah, that's uh that is our that is our QB discussion. And uh, you know, hopefully hopefully I get to see Carson Wentz go up in flames. Because uh, who wants Washington to be successful? Let's go Cowboys. Uh all right. USC time. Here we go. So, Jake, I don't think I don't think it's really worth it just to go through all of the fights because there were just uh, about a hundred of them, on, right? On, yeah. on, on this card, um, what was the biggest takeaway from you on uh, on the night? Well, you, you have to look at the main event, right? I mean, this is this is a big pay per view. Bitter enemies used to be friends, but the thing that really just sticks out to me that is how crazy the welterweight division is because. We have the right two guys as number one and number two in the division, Usman and Covington. But this is the Colby Covington is in the most unique scenario for a contender in the UFC because he's the number one contender that won't get a title fight after a fight. See what I'm saying here? Yeah. And we have the right two guys to fight for the belt, but we just can't make that fight right now. And as we've seen time and time again, this Colby Covington would be how he's not in the pound for pound rankings in the UFC is just an utter disgrace. In my opinion, keep this in mind. Colby Covington hasn't lost a round to anybody not named Kamara Usman in like three or four years. He's not even losing rounds. And that's really what sticks out to me. It's just this welterweight division is just so crazy right now, man. And just so loaded and so deep and it really is. And I don't know, man. It's, it kind of sucks for, for Colby. Maybe he needs a fresh coat of paint at a different weight class, but we have the right two guys. We just can't make the fight. And what's interesting, too, is, I, is when I was watching the fight, I had actually scored round two for Masvidal. But uh, none I, had of the t- I, had ten, I had every round Covington. I had The way I scored it on my scorecard, I had every round 10-9. I had round three 10-8 for Covington. Yeah, that was I, I had I had ten nine in the first for Colby. I had ten nine in the second for Masvidal, ten eight in the third for Colby, then ten nine ten nine for uh, for Colby. F- round five could have been a ten nine round, uh, ten eight round two. It could have been, yeah, it it could have been. I I just think that Colby Colby was just ready to he he knew where he was at and he was just going for the uh, for the TKO at that point. And- well, the thing is though, that these guys know each other so much, it kind of just felt like. They were fighting not to lose. This is what we see a lot in these grudge matches. We saw it at the heavyweight division with Francis Ngannou, Cyril Ghosn. They were former training partners, and they're heavyweights, and they're wrestling. Yeah. So Because they just know that the power that each of them possess. And we kind of saw it here. We saw Mosfet all know that Colby Covington's going to come at you with high intensity, high pace, come at you with wrestling. 
and he has to be ready to defend to take down. Masvidal was not throwing with the same type of power that we've seen before. We saw Jorge Masvidal, TKO, Nate Diaz. Nobody's ever done that before. So, no, true. And, and we've also seen Colby not really – We saw. listen, everybody says, yes, Colby was ready to go another five rounds after the fight, and we all know Colby's got a gas tank. But in round two, we did not see the same output from Colby Covington because in round one, he really had to work hard to land that takedown of Masvidal because he knows that those training sessions at 155, they weren't the same at 170. He knows Masvidal's got more weight to him. So, sure. yeah, I, I, I'm just – I'm really fascinated by this whole welterweight division, man. It is it's really – it really is. It, you, there could just be so many different ways. I mean, Colby's talking about fighting Dustin Poirier at the end of the fight. Oh, which would be – that would be a great fight. It would be. It, it would be a great fight because it, it, here's another thing that's very interesting for Colby is he's at the position right now where he's a main event fighter, but he doesn't really have a dance partner where you tell him, hey, fight this welterweight contender. It's – but I'm a main event fighter. Sure. Like to, if you tell him to go fight Vincente Luque or Bilal Muhammad, what's he, wh- why is he doing that for a main event? Yeah, whereas, it's, not a main, it's not a main event fight. It's not a money fight. Whereas Dustin Poirier, that doesn't really affect the rankings too much. But Colby's fought for the world title twice before. Yeah. Where Dustin Poirier, that's a money fight, main event. You can sell it. You got the rivalry with ATT. Maybe you just did that. To me, though, 170 runs through Chimaev right now. Yeah, you get to I agree. Yes, I, I do agree. And I think the one thing, about this fight too, and, and you had briefly mentioned it, is it turned very much into into a bit of a wrestling match. And once once you get into a wrestling match with with Colby Covington, you're not winning that fight. You're you're, you're just not because Colby is just a, he's a master at getting fights into that sort of wrestling style. And once he gets there, it, it, you're done. You're completely done. He's just such he's such a master at it. It's just interesting because Colby, the striking that Colby possesses and the takedowns and why Colby's so effective at getting takedowns is he uses his striking to set up the takedowns because he has good striking, if that makes sense. Kind of yeah. like a Kamara Usman in a sense. Come, to me, Covington and Usman are so similar, similar in skill. Usman has more power, but Covington has more of a gas tank. Yep. Yeah, That's I what, would I would say Colby has more has more skill and more technical ability than than Usman does where Usman Usman has that pure knockout ability where Colby Colby doesn't have that Usman's got very good precision with his striking Colby we saw there as good as Colby looked on Saturday night and I've seen Colby look better before the precision wasn't great with his we saw him throw a couple of punches where it was like "Eh, that looked a little ugly you know what I'm saying we saw Mm -hmm. that in the the second Usman fight too but Colby throws a lot of punches that's that's another thing too when you you throw that many punches not all of them are going to look good but it's interesting man to me though I I would love to see Poirier get I get it I see the rivalry there but in terms if you want to see this Covington Usman three fight I think we have to see Colby versus Hamza Chimaev assuming Hamza Chimaev gets by Gilbert Bur- Gilbert Burns on yeah. night. that that's going to be a real banger how that's only yeah. 3 rounds Dana White what the hell are you doing here I, you got a guy honestly, you're trying I to don't prom- know. you got I a think- guy that you're promoting to be a superstar you're going 3 rounds I, I think it's quite possible that maybe they just don't they just don't see that fight as like a a, a money fight a a a common folk fight but that's just that's going to be that those are just two masters that are going to be going at it well, Hamza Chimaev, it's a number one contender fight, technically. Even though yeah. I get it, he won't be the just they will be fighting for the belt next in all likelihood. Or yeah. Leon Edwards, we'll see what happens with him. But welterweight man, crazy, crazy, crazy stacked. 
it's loaded. It's it's a very very loaded division, uh, for for sure. Uh, some of the other things that I wanted to just touch on with the uh, with this card, uh, Sergey Spivak against Greg Hardy. I'm sorry, Greg Hardy. That that shit needs that that shit's done. It's that already over. Done. It's over. It's over. Yeah. He should have never even been in the promotion. That was when the promotion was just looking to attract fans when they didn't have the price tag that they have now. He's done. Play uh, over. Yep. I sorry. I mean, you, you get knocked out in two minutes, 16 seconds. I think, I think it was something like that. He's not a mixed martial He's an NFL player. Yeah. Yep. And, and a very bad one at that. Um, Kevin Holland against Alex Oliveira. I, that first round was, was very entertaining, but it was just, it just got to a point where it was a matter of, you know, when, when is Holland going to, going to get the KO TKO. And then he got it 38 seconds into, into the second round. Uh, not really a, uh, a massive surprise that Holland uh, got that. Got that First TKO. fight at 170. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Holland's, he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. And, I like uh, him at 170. And Oliveira held his own, but Holland, Holland was too good. And I think that was, it was, it was a formality that, that Holland was at least going to get the decision. But I mean, he's, he's a KO, a KO TKO master. And I wasn't surprised that the uh, KO TKO happened here. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barbosa, a, a, a really, really good fight. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell really had the upper hand throughout. Barbosa held his own, got some good strikes in. And then, of course, Mitchell with the decision. And then the uh, the post-match interview that he had with Joe Rogan saying that he was going to be donating uh, his winnings and then having Dana White uh, say that he's going to keep have him keep his keep and that Dana White would make the uh, donation for Bryce Mitchell. Very, very, very nice. UFC has something with Bryce Mitchell. I think the next fight, though, for Bryce Mitchell might be a little tough going up against Josh Emmett. That's a really big 45-pounder. And yes. I think Mitchell, honestly, to me, he looks a little – I think Mitchell's giving up weight at 45. I think he might be better at 35, mm-hmm. especially as a wrestler. But, damn, that will that's going to be a banger of a fight. I, I, yes. That's a tough guy for Mitchell to take down. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a great, great, great fight. But Mitchell can hold his own. I mean, he's 15-1 for a reason. And uh, then the uh, the catchweight, the co-main event, which, whoa, God, this was ugly from the jump. Uh, Rafael Desanos and Renato Moicano. I, I, I give Moicano a little bit of credit, given he took the fight on four days' notice, was able to train, get ready, and hold his own. But, I mean, Desanos, he was, he was ready for it. And that was just a veteran fighter knows what he's doing and i was really really surprised that the fight actually went the distance there i, I yeah, shocked that it wasn't stopped yeah moicano's a stud and rafael de sanjos honestly to be honest with you i think him there's three guys that i think are in the running for this i think dos anjos i think jorge masvidal and i think the the lightweight champion at the time probably charles Oliveira, are in the running to fight conor mcgregor in the fall when he comes back i uh, and obviously that the money fight would be McGregor Masvidal. Uh, and then you have DS3, but honestly, I think Connor fighting for a world title would probably be a little bit more of a money fight, if that makes sense. But Oh, absolutely. It, it has nothing to do. It's just UFC is so freaking crazy sometimes, man. You have a guy that lost two straight, hasn't won a fight in the weight class in four years. Or excuse me, what are we at now? Almost like seven years. Yeah. And he, he might be fighting for the title. Yep. But again, I, I, I think that's Dana... Dana knowing that you you get Connor into 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 a title fight, the attendance is going to be through the roof. I mean, if they do it at T-Mobile, you'll get 
pretty much in and around 20,000 people in, in, in that arena. Oh, yeah. It's bigger than anything they could possibly do for the year if they get Conor McGregor in a title fight. A- absolutely. But I agree with you. Masvidal makes a lot of sense, especially if you want to get Conor McGregor a win because I think that's a fight Conor McGregor wins. Yep. I I think so, too. I, I think that's probably that's probably the next step for Conor is getting back in, getting getting that win under his belt, just because I, I don't really know how smart it would be. I don't even, I don't even want to say, I mean, obviously in a promotion sense, it makes a ton of sense to put Connor into, in, into a title fight right away. It makes a lot of sense, but I think uh, it doesn't even matter whether it's, whether it's a title fight or whether it's a, whether it's just a non-title match, you put, you put Connor as a main event on the card. It, it it's going to sell. It's going to sell. So I don't think it really matters who you have Connor going up against, but if you put him up against a household name like Masvidal, it'll sell. I don't know if you're, if you're going to put, say, say it's Dos Anjos, you put Dos Anjos going up, going up against McGregor. I don't know if that's going to have as much pulling power for some people as it would with Masvidal, even though Dos Anjos will hold his own for sure. Well, Dos Anjos though has the history of Connor McGregor where they were supposed yes. to fight for the 55 pound belt. And I think it was a 2015, 2016. Yeah, 2015. It was 2016. It, it might it might have been before that, but I, I digress. It was both, then the Nathan Diaz fight came. You, yep. you know the whole story from there. Uh, that's why I think that that fight might sell. But that I don't even know. Like to be honest with you, though, I think Conor McGregor has a better chance of getting a victory against George Masvidal at this point in time because that's a, that's a guy who's not going to come at you with any wrestling. We've seen Masvidal get knocked out not too long ago. We saw. Co- you know, Covington stung him a couple times, and Colby Covington doesn't have that knockout power Conor McGregor has. But I don't know. I think right now my top two for McGregor to return would probably be a shot at the title against Oliveira, who has been knocked down in every title fight mm-hmm. that he's had. Yes. Or George Masvidal. Yep. And then, and then obviously the one that will just keep going round and round and round for the remainder of time is McGregor and Habib again. But That's never going to happen. Again. I don't think it's going to happen. Khabib, no. How is Khabib getting to 155? He probably, weighs like two, he probably weighs like 225 right now. Yeah, he's not. He's not. I, I think Never that, that pipe dream that pipe dream is, is, is dead. But of course, whenever you have McGregor around, it's always gonna be can it be McGregor Habib again. But I, I don't think so. I think that I think the first fight for McGregor is going up against Mosvidal, having him beat Mosvidal, and then you start talking about McGregor Diaz three. That's if Conor McGregor doesn't want to fight for a world title again, though. That's the only thing. You have to tell Conor McGregor, hey, listen, this won't impact you in the title. And I think Conor McGregor wants to win the 155-pound title again. I really do. That's the only pause to concern right there. You see what I'm saying? Sure. And and it comes down to, will Diaz want to do Diaz-McGregor 3? Oh, oh, Diaz will want to do it. Diaz saw his paychecks from the... Diaz saw the first two paychecks he got. He definitely fair, wanted to. Very fair. That, well, that, that's why Nate Diaz took two years off of MMA is because he didn't get to fight Conor McGregor. Right, right. And, and he, once he, he realized that's not happening, then he's like, all right, screw this. I'll, I'll come back and fight my contract. Right. And he has such a grudge against the UFC. So, oh, he'll, he'll take that fight. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he will. I think he will. And then I think – and if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the next uh, pay-per-view – is uh they're booked until until july they're looking at july the last i heard was uh, last i heard was on ariel hawani's mma hour they're looking at the first week in july which is international fight week to do conor mcgregor nate diaz three 
that's that's what it looks like right now. Obviously, a lot can change. And here's another thing, too. A lot of people bring this up. Nate Diaz's fight, his, his contract is about to run out with the UFC. I don't think that has anything to do with another fight with Conor McGregor because they, they'll definitely sign Nate Diaz for a one-fight deal, and he would do it to come fight Conor McGregor. I don't think Agreed. that's much of a an issue there in getting that. That fight will get done, but not now. I don't think now is the time. Yeah, the next, the next available pay-per-view where you could have McGregor potentially headline would be UFC 276 on Saturday, July 2nd. International Fight Week, too. So that, that's yes. a big that's that's a big one right there. I mean, how yeah. great would it be if you have – imagine you have Diaz-McGregor 3 or Diaz – or, excuse me, McGregor-George Mosfidal, and then on the undercard you have Colby Covington-Dustin Poirier. Yeah. At the co-main event. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Oh I, I, I could – I could even see um, for for two seventy six if if you wanted to really you know beef up that card and do and do maybe a Coleman event you know if if McGregor were were to agree to it maybe you do Usman and Leon Edwards too for the title. Usman's a main event fighter at this point. He's a pound for pound number one in the world. Yeah, he's and Conor McGregor is not a co-main event fighter, so no. they'll never fight on the same card. An interesting one though that I that I've heard is getting close to getting rebooked, and they're booked all the way up until International Fight Week. A good one with maybe Colby Covington, who said he wanted to fight on International Fight Week against mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier. How about Zhang Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Jacek? Too mm. best best woman's fight we've ever seen, probably. Yeah, or that would be an insane International Fight Week card. Yes, it would. Imagine yes, it, would. That, and it, it, would, it would draw. It would draw like none other. None other. Imagine you have Connor and Dustin Poirier back in the same building fighting different people, and you also have Colby Covington and uh, uh, George Mosfidal, especially if George Mosfidal is the main event. Agreed. Like, that would be insane. Yeah. And, and I think – I even think if we're even looking at 276 and we're looking at the International Fight Week, that card is going to be loaded regardless. Regardless. Regardless, it's going to be yes. a big time, a big time card. Big so, time card. I don't even know if McGregor's going to be ready in July, though. I see. I don't think. I don't think he is. I, I think the, the best possible fight probably right now would be to do Usman Edwards to be that could be the the headliner that their second bout for the title, and then maybe you're, you're looking at maybe two seventy seven for potentially for the return of of Connor. Breaking news to announce on the pod. The MLB has canceled more games. Oh, shit. Another another week of games has been canceled. Great. So that, that just basically says that the they're union, just going nowhere fast. The union, the owner, the owners. I thought they offered a decent deal, but. Well, the players didn't think so. Players most certainly didn't think so. Yep. Oh, the MLB. The MLB. What a what, what a shit show. Um, all right. So let's just go right into NCAA. And so obviously we have conference championship week this week. We've already seen a number of teams qualify for the NCAA tournament, which of course starts next week. If you're living under a rock and you haven't heard us talking about it for the past two weeks. Um, so with that, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about some teams that we want to see really have a positive week in, in these conference tournaments, not necessarily win 
the conference tournaments, but have a good showing in these conference tournaments, maybe prove their, I guess, legitimacy towards potentially being a, a top tier NCAA tournament team. So, and I, I think one of those uh, for me that I, I'll, I'll just, just drop right away is I want to see USC in, in the PAC 12 tournament. Really going to take mine. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. I don't, I don't, I don't think I took yours. I don't think I did, but I do want to see USC uh, go up against UCLA, go up against Arizona and really, really show their, their, their muscle. Cause they're, they're a team right now. I, I have them down as a seven seed. Um, I know Joe Lenardi has them down as a seven seed as well. Th- they're a team that I, I really do go back and forth on a lot. And they're a team that I could very easily pick as one of those 10, seven upsets, just because they're very unconvincing at times. So I really want to see them have a very positive week uh, in, in the PAC 12 tournament. And especially, you know, talking about potentially those big time money games against UCLA and then Arizona potentially in the final. To me, a team that I'm looking at is UNC mm. this week. I feel like that type of win that they've had that they had on Saturday, spoiling Coach K's last game, is the type of win that can translate into a run. I agree. I agree. In my opinion, that is a huge emotional win. You go up there against your arch rival and spoiling their legendary coach's last game, the whole Duke alumni is out there, and you go in there. And let's be honest, UNC kind of handed it to them. Oh, oh, they did in a big they, way. They were they were the only team that showed up. They they handed it. They handed it to Duke and UNC. Honestly, their three point shooting is, uh, <laughs> dude. They were shooting the lights out of it from three. They they, I felt like they weren't missing. And they also have a good amount. You know, what I like from you that from uh, UNC a lot that doesn't get talked about. I like Theo John. Yeah, yeah. As that big tough defense rebounds type of veteran for that UNC roster. I'm looking for them. If you have a night, I'm not saying they need to win the ACC tournament, but if you have a nice showing and you carry that momentum with last Saturday into the tournament. And I got to be honest with you, UNC was a team that I was thinking about, like you were with USC. I was thinking that hmm, they might be upset in the first round. You know what I'm saying? They might be going home early, but that's mm-hmm. the type of win right there that can change your season. Yes. Yeah. And they, they are, I have them right now as a seven seed. Joel Lenardi has them as an eight. I think that's that's a pretty good spot for them. And I, I would feel very, very confident in in UNC as either a seven or an eight. And I, I would probably say I'm gonna pick them depending on how on how, how well they look uh in Brooklyn this week for the AC championship game, which uh AC tournament, excuse me, which by the way, I why is the ACC tournament in Brooklyn? Makes no sense. It makes no sense. You would think like the Big Ten or like the Big East would be playing there. Right. It makes no sense. Or like maybe even the Mac. Yeah. But the ACC? Sure. I don't. I, I, I don't. I just don't see it. I I guess maybe maybe Syracuse. That's that's, that, that's the draw, I guess. But even then. Maybe. Even then. Like, they, they have to travel. Like it makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, the, the next squad for me, uh, I'm going to go with Illinois and Illinois, they convince, I had very much the same story, Illinois, as it is with USC. They have me convinced and they don't have me convinced. And they were, they were solid against Iowa, but they were down for a big part of that game. 
and Iowa managed to cover, by the way. Thank you, Iowa. I did take Iowa plus four and a half on that one. But Illinois, they, they have probably in that in that Big Ten tournament, maybe the best player in the entire conference in, in Kofi Coburn. And I just feel like that that is a tournament right there. I mean, we've talked about the Big Ten so much on this program with Illinois, Wisconsin, um, Michigan, Michigan State. They're, Excuse me, they're Big East. I'm sorry. Get no, you're good. you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, th- there is just the, the big the Big Ten is absolutely loaded, and I just think Illinois Illinois has a great chance to win the Big Ten, win this tournament, and really stake a claim to be more than a four seed in in, in this tournament, and to be, be to be a bit more concrete in the eyes of people that are going to be filling up rackets next week. And for me, they're not there yet. I need to see them really, really be convincing uh, within, within the next week for me to really say, yeah, I'm all in on, on Illinois, and I, I, I'm not there yet. Illinois seems to disappoint. Yeah, they always do. Historically. Yeah, well, you, you wouldn't know. I mean, you, you, you took Loyola Chicago to beat them last year. That I did. You did. But – you know who I'm looking at? It's Tennessee. Hmm. Tennessee. Ha, ha, listen, man. I just feel like I, I, I could be a prisoner of home, but old Mo is a real thing. It and is. Momentum, man. I mean, that game. Did you see the game against Arkansas? I did. Uh, on Saturday. I mean, listen, man. How the hell are you? How's that game competitive at the end of the game? No idea. No idea. The, the first half, only one team showed up. And they, they did the same thing against Georgia, who has like five wins. Yeah. Yeah, who will be out early in the SEC tournament. I'm looking at Tennessee right here in the SEC tournament. They need to go on a little bit of a run, or else, to be honest with you, where are they in Joe Lenardi's bracket? I'm, I was looking at the uh, – the They're regular, number three. I was looking at – like they're, they're a three seed going up against yes. – don't tell me here. I think I have it. They are going up – they're going up against – Oh, they're going up against – by the way, Princeton, I've read – I've done my research on them too. Apparently, Princeton's pretty sneaky. They are. They're very sneaky. Like I'm going to be honest with you, they if if Tennessee is a, a shitty showing in the uh, SEC tournament, I think I might pick Princeton to be the 14-3 upset over them. I hey, I I'm wouldn't be joking. I wouldn't be surprised. Dude, that game was embarrassing on Saturday. I watched every second of that game at, at Mohegan because I had Tennessee. Yeah. In a parlay, and a month, so I was literally saying, "Oh, this game's over." So I started watching. I think it was I think it was Purdue was on at the same time, and I, and then I go back. I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" Oddly enough, Purdue did the same exact thing, but yes, yes, and they it gave you, it gave you a little bit of a scare. Yeah, but Tennessee needs to show me something this week, or else I might have an upset early in the tournament. Uh, one more that I uh, definitely want to see more of, and to be a bit more convinced by, uh, in their conference tournament. Uh, going with a team that's a bit off the radar for for a lot of people, but they are one that I always love to flock to uh, in in March, and for for good reason, given their uh, their tournament experience. And that's San Diego State in in the Mountain West, and the Mountain West this year alone has been absolutely tremendous. You're looking at Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Wyoming. Those are four teams right there that can just secure at large bids by themselves. If they want to secure that automatic bid, they're going to have to go through Boise and they have to go through Colorado State. For looking at Boise, 
lost to Boise at Boise. They lost to Colorado State at Boise State, lost to Boise State at home, where they only put up 37 points. There were 79 points put up in the game at, at San Diego State between Boise and SDS, and then they beat Colorado State at home when Colorado State was number 20 team in the country. Now we're getting some neutral, some neutral site games. San Diego State, their defense has been very, very impressive over the last couple of weeks. They're rattling off four straight wins against San Jose State at Wyoming, Fresno State, and then at Nevada, one-point win for the Aztecs. I really want to see what the San Diego State team has in in their back pocket because they can be a really sneaky team with the way that they shoot the ball, the way that they play defense. We all know that defense at the end of the day is one of those things that can really cause a lot of chaos in brackets. And if you could shoot the ball with the way that San Diego State shoot the ball, averaging about 67 points a contest, but defensively being one of the top 100 teams in the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's big time. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like Boise State, by the way. Yeah, I like Boise, too. I like Boise, too. I think every team in the Mountain West, I'm going to consider as uh, one of those teams that could potentially uh, make some noise. You know who else is another sleeper, too? Obviously, different conference. But how about Murray State? Yeah. Yeah, they're a sleeper. We all know. We history. all know how it got, how it all started. Yep, by with with some kid named uh, named John Morant. I don't I don't know if anybody's heard of him. Yeah, and also Duke also is on the clock as well after a poor showing on Saturday against Duke. Duke is one of those teams where it's like you know we did think that they were going to go on a run, but I don't even know if they have the talent for that anymore. I don't. I don't. No, you want to know a sneaky my sneaky team now to win the tournament? Sneaky. Okay, I might have even said them last week, but I I watch them again on Saturday. Kentucky, man. Kentucky's got a good squad. You mean uh, the Knicks developmental team? The Knicks, the Knicks development, dude. Kentucky's got a good squad, man. They do. They do. They have a really, I really, good squad. I really like them. Yeah, they they do have a very, very good squad. With of course the uh, next head coach of the New York Knicks, John Calvary. I believe. What are they now? A three seed in the tournament? Two. Two seed now. Okay, they're two seed. They've moved up. This is not necessarily a hot take, but I'm just saying, man, they got a squad. Yeah, they do. But if we're if we're looking at their at their side of the bracket, I'm just going to read off the teams that that uh, Joe Lenardi has them matched up against. If if it comes down to uh, to Kentucky making a deep run, so if they this is according to, to Joe Lenardi's bracketologist, this is not 100 percent set in stone. But if they beat, if they win, they would play USC. Then if they win, they'd play the winner of number out of Ohio State, Memphis, and Villanova. Then if we're going to the upper part of the East region where they are, Houston, Xavier, or Wyoming, Illinois, Toledo. Then we have Kansas, Seton Hall, Murray State. I think Kentucky can hang in all those games. I, I think they can too because I, I have to say, I guess this could be another one that, um, that we go in on a little bit. Kansas, I, I, I'm, they've been shaky. I said in. it last week. I'm like, are you a little concerned? They, I'm not like super concerned, but I I need to be convinced. More con- more concerned convinced. over Kansas or Texas Tech? Hmm. I like both. I like both a lot. Um, I do too. Texas Tech disappointed me though. I would say Texas game. Tech. I would say Texas Tech. I'm a bit more concerned about because they just don't score enough. 
yeah, that is another thing too. And, and honestly, I just had this big debate this week. People trying to tell me the Wisconsin Badgers are going on a run. No, 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 no. You lose, you lose at home to Nebraska. Like <laughs> they on. score, like they score like 54 points a game. <laughs> like, come on. What are we doing here? People? No, not for me. Not for me. And I've, and I, it's very, very sadly, I have to say that I am, uh, I'm a little out on, on Rutgers as, as well. Yeah. Which, I am very, sad, I'm in on, like I'm, in, I'm, I'm in on Davidson, by the way. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very in on Davidson. Very, very in on Davidson. And I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping that, um, cause Xavier right now, they are playing in, um, in the Big East tournament, and I don't know what their what their score is, but I saw they were in a bit of a a bit of a slugfest with Butler. And if they if Xavier were to lose to Butler, the number ten team, like that would not be, yeah. They're, they're, so they're in overtime, and Xavier are down five to Butler. St. John's is winning the Big East tournament. Make no mistake. <laughs> Are you are, 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 is that is that a guarantee or is that a dream? <laughs> I if they win, they're in the tournament. <laughs> if they win, they're in the tournament. But I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I wish you yeah. the best of luck. But I think they're going to win today at least against DePaul. Well, when I asked when I asked my kid brother about it before, I asked him. I said, "Are you ready to be let down?" And he says, "And I quote, absolutely." <sighs> One day, maybe. Maybe. One day, maybe. Um, all right. So, the top five. Here we go. So, the category that we have today is the top five most influential athletes of all time, and this could be construed in so many different directions. But the way that I took it was the players that we are looking at that had the biggest impact on their sports for players now and in the future. That is the way that I took it. Yeah. So, Jake, your number five player, please. I, I'm sure we'll have a lot of the same. Yeah. I just number- don't know if we'll have the, the same order. Yeah, number five to me is Conor McGregor. Plain and simple, you look at what the UFC was worth before Conor McGregor took off and ascended. It is not. It was not four point two billion dollars. I'll tell you that much. And Dana White owes his life to Conor McGregor for making his company become what it is, and we see it now. A lot of people try to pull it off with the whole "this is the money fight, red panty night." I need to see. You saw Usman pull off a pathetic attempt this this past year. He's just there's only one Conor McGregor, and he has really been the guy to put the UFC on the map and he has set up the template because McGregor is bigger than the UFC. There's no denying that. And and that's every fighter's aspiration. And the UFC has honestly learned from Conor McGregor that we can't have this anymore with a guy being bigger than us. And that's why I think McGregor has just influenced and he influenced the whole generation of combat. uh, We'll we'll talk about others, I assume, but he, he influenced this whole generation of combat sports is Conor McGregor, but especially with boxing becoming relatively dead. Yep. And I think one of, and I'll I'll even put this out there uh, right now. I also put Conor McGregor as as my five, and I I when I wrote this this list out, um, I had debated putting Muhammad Ali on this list 
But one of the reasons why uh, I didn't put Ali on the list was for that reason right there is I couldn't put Ali on the list when boxing is dead. Obviously what Ali did for not just boxing as a whole, but culturally and from a societal point of view is, I mean, we may not have another athlete that'll change society as a whole quite like Muhammad Ali did. But in terms of talking about the sport as a whole, boxing is nowhere near the popularity of even just the UFC. We're not even going to compare boxing to, uh, to baseball or hockey or football or basketball. So that's why I did not put um, Muhammad Ali on, on my list, even though he probably does deserve a place on the list. I did put Conor McGregor as, as my number five on, uh, on, on my list. So that's one for one in terms of uh, guys that we have in common. I don't think it's going to stay the same for, uh, for much longer. That's, that's cool. So who's, you're so uh, who's number four. No, no, no it's, it's, uh, you know, back, you go number four. All right. You want me, you want me to go with number four? All right. I'll go with number four. Uh, number four for me. Um, there, I think they're going to be different ideas of who exactly would be the um, the guy to, to represent baseball here. But I've actually decided to go for Pedro Martinez just because I think we look at, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I think we look at, we look at all the pitchers, especially the Hispanic pitchers of the game today. A lot of them say that Pedro Martinez was the guy they've all looked up to. And the Latino and his Hispanic players as well, you're looking at Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, just some of the names that we're talking about that are really giving rise to the growing Hispanic population in, in the game of baseball. And one of the names that we have to give credit to is, is, of course, Pedro Martinez. And yeah, there are other names we could put in there. You could put Mariano Rivera in there, mention David Ortiz. There are so many different figureheads for baseball, and you could put Derek Jeter in there as well. For, for me, just the amount of interviews that I hear from, from players who credit Pedro Martinez with their overall development, what he does, even still in the game today, just talking to different players on the side, not necessarily in the public eye, about things that they do, things that they can change, things like that, that's why Pedro is, is on this list. I don't love Pedro. He's not one of my favorite human beings in the world, but there's no doubt the, the impact that Pedro Martinez has had on the game of baseball as a whole. And that's why he is, uh, he's on my list. I went with one of the names that you mentioned and you listen to all the interviews in baseball. They all say not all, but there's a lot and everybody gets out of the damn dugout when he was getting ready to hang them up. And that's Derek Jeter. I think that he showed the model of class professionalism, big time moments become being a clutch player in the postseason, And you go up to anybody in the street. They all know Derek Jeter Yep, playing for the New York Yankees and, to me, Jeter just influences whole generation of ball players for doing it the right way. And maybe that's why baseball has become a little bit boring because there's a lot of players like Mike Trout included who grew up a Yankee fan that idolized Derek Jeter, who was the most boring guy other than Dayton freaking, you know, the, the, we all, we all know Derek Jeter and the baseball team he assembled outside the diamond, but oh yeah, oh, outside yeah. of that, you didn't hear a whole from Derek Jeter. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, you know, and even when, even then, so you didn't hear about any scandals with any of these women either. And not that I know of at least, but oh. um, to me, that's that, that guy just really 
was the, the model and the face of baseball that all these guys and a great, a great role model. That is, that is Derek Jeter both on and off the field. So I'm going with Jeter. Uh, Brian Cashman should be bringing him back into the Yankees organizational fold in about five seconds. Yeah. They, they need to have Jeter back, please. Scott. Agreed. Agreed. But it, anything he could be the, he could be cleaning the fucking jock straps for all I care. Jeter, Jeter needs to be back in the Yankees organization some way, somehow. Uh, Number three, Jake, you see, we talked about a combat sport. You, you were talking about this earlier. I'm going with Mike Tyson because today mm, okay. you even you even think of today a lot. Still, even guys in the UFC say, who, who did you watch growing up? It was Mike Tyson. You watch all the Nathan Diaz videos of, you know, the Diaz brothers and their guy was Tyson. Obviously, the uppercut was a signature knockout. Mike Tyson's uppercut is probably the most deadliest thing that's ever faced somebody in any combat sport was Mike Tyson's uppercut. And the way you talk to your dad or your dad's dad, and they'll all tell you nothing compares to what a Mike Tyson fight was back in the day. And you think of pay-per-view and big draw, that's exactly what Mike Tyson was. And he was a highlight reel waiting to happen. Uh, Mike Tyson. I think it's a good shout. It's a very, very good shout. And if we're going to put a, a boxer in there that has current implications yeah mike tyson would be uh, would be the guy for me uh number three this might be a little low for some people um but i'm going with kobe i'm going with 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 kobe bryant uh number three again i think we talk about who's that that guy that is real that really has inspired this current group of young players in the nba and even some of the older players too guys guys like steph curry kobe bryant was was that guy that you know, got we're looking at some of the younger players that John Morantz, the Luka Doncic of Trey Young, all these guys, they grew up watching Kobe. And I think we're talking about, you know, Kobe is is to these younger guys what maybe Michael Jordan was to the young group of guys 10 years ago. So Kobe really is the the the, the gold standard now. In terms of who, if we're looking at you know baseball players with with Derek Jeter, maybe we look at at hockey players with maybe Wayne Gretzky twenty years ago, ten years ago. I think a lot of people now are, are you know the guys that are 25, 26, 27 younger are to say who would you grow up idolizing? A lot of them are going to say Kobe Bryant, and 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 for good reason. I almost thought you said Colby is in Colby Covington. I'm like, whoa, I love the guy, but let, let's I'm calm down pa- there. I'm not pandering to you that much now. Come on. Yeah, no, it's a good shout there too. Uh, number two for me, um, I'm gonna go with a little, uh, a little football. I'm gonna go with Lionel Messi. And while I am a, I am a Ronaldo guy through and through. Uh, Messi is global, global icon, global superstar for the biggest, most popular sport in the world. And you go anywhere, anywhere on the, anywhere on the face of the planet. People, you're going to say, who, do you know who Lionel Messi is? People are going to say yes. And you're looking at, well, you know you know who Lionel Messi is. I know who he is, but if he was sitting right next to me right now, I wouldn't know who he is. You, you know the name. That's, I, I, would that's know, the I would know who Ronaldo is, though, if he was next to me. Well, that's a stunning man. That's a very stunning man. Um, no, you know. Uh, I was, <laughs> that sounds I was, a little, you know. I was, close, no. I was close to putting Ronaldo on this list. Um, but I just think, you know, from what I from what I know and, and from the, the interviews that I have seen, a lot more uh, current players do idolize Messi much more than they than they do idolize uh, Ronaldo for you know whatever the reason may be. Uh, but Messi, 
Messi is he's one of the greatest. He's one of the greatest. And, you know, we're going to be talking about the impact that Messi has had uh, on, on football for, uh, for a long, long, long time. And there may never be someone as great as, as Lionel Messi and, and Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll, 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 ne- yeah. we'll never have this sort of generation of just two players who you could make a case to be the best player of all time, uh, probably ever again. Yeah, well, too bad soccer is not a real sport, and it's you're uh, out of your mind. Not fo- football gets played twi- on Sundays and, and Monday nights, and now Thursday nights. So you're out of your fucking. Fo- soccer is not a real sport, unfortunately. So I can't qualify Lionel Messi for my list. That this is this nope. is a rogue podcast host. The, nope. the, the views expressed by this rogue podcast host it, are not are not condoned by the Basement Talk podcast. It, it, it you know, listen. This is a free most popular, the most popular sport in the world, you, Jake. Can't say it's not a sport. It's great. Uh, I live in one world, America, America first. So moving on. Your number, number my two. number two. You'll yeah. love my number two. Tiger Woods. Mm. Mm. I mean, how could that is golf right there? Yep. <laughs> like <laughs> I, Tiger Woods was so damn popular that I was even watching golf. I believe it or not, I was in the damn dugout in my college baseball in a college baseball game watching Tiger Tiger Woods in the Masters when the Masters. I mean, that's that's poetic. And, and I barely watch golf. Or yep. I did though when Tiger Woods, but Tiger, I mean, dude, you think about the fist pump. I mean, come on, man. Like this is Tiger Woods we're talking about. And to me though, still out of all the guys, like that t- Tiger Woods winning the masters after all that shit he went through with crashing the car the first time, the the, the cheating scandal, which I thought was really overblown to be honest with you. I, oh, like, it come absolutely on, was. Come on now. Then coming back and being terrible after all that, then winning the masters, that final walk to the final hole, was an insane sports moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like his was. walk to to for the you know what I'm talking about. Like yes. I, I'm not really like I play golf, but I'm horrible at it. I don't really know all the terms. I just you know put the ball in the hole, as as Happy Gilmore would say. But that was an incredible moment, yeah. in my opinion. And yeah. he influenced. All, if you're a golfer, not trying to be Tiger Woods, and what the hell are you golfing for? I mean, that's fair. That's very fair. I mean, I, I'm I'm just gonna jump right in. Uh, Tiger Woods is my number one, and it may be. It may be more um, more personal for me because Tiger Woods he he is my favorite athlete of all time. I think from a from a personal sense, from a uh, romanticist point of view as well. There there is no greater story for me than than Tiger Woods. You know the the rise that he had, being so young, debuting on the scene at ninety seven Masters, winning the ninety seven Masters, then going on. He's got five Masters championships. Five green jackets. Just, he has one in his closet, which is which I, I actually not to not to completely divert, but I, I learned this the other day that you only have one green jacket. If when you when you, when you win one, I didn't know that's that. your one. That is the stupidest thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah, you, when you you have your you have your green jacket. That's it. That is so stupid. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like Tiger has has five green jackets in his closet. He only has his his one, which I, I, lit- I learned literally the other money? day. <laughs> what, what is golf? Golf can't swing it? I mean, <laughs> I, I guess they're worried about, you know, if, if people start just selling the green jackets or something yeah, like that. Come on, that's I, so stupid. I get it, but yeah, it's it's it's, nope. it's stupid. But five five green jackets, four PGA championships, three U.S. Opens, including 2002 right here at Beth Page Black, and three Open Championships. The dream, the dream is to see Tiger come back and give it one last go to try and break Jack Nicholas's record for, for most majors. He's 
two he's two away from tying three away, away from from breaking the record i really want to see him do it but i think he is i think he is i don't think he's going to retire until until he does either he's going to definitely be more of just you know showing up the majors and 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 that's it but i think we we saw it this year that maybe tiger has a bit more left in him especially if we saw phil mickelson win the pga championship at 50 years old and and, and now everything that's happened with with phil uh you know i don't know if phil's ever going to have the same uh, glowing reputation that maybe he once had but i mean tiger the guy the guy is inspired <laughs> people outside of golf I, I think you said it maybe. you're not the, you're, you're, you're not the, you're not a golf guy but guess what tiger woods is in a in, in contention to win a major I, you're, you're turning on the tv wherever I, you are and you're fucking watching i wouldn't i wouldn't consider golf a sport if it wasn't for tiger woods oh golf golf is absolutely a sport it's absolutely a sport. I mean, yeah, hell, golf hell. is more a sport than uh, than uh, soccer. And football? Come on, now you're out of your you're so- out of your mind. I, football. Wait, fo- Tom Tom Brady plays soccer. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Football. Football. Um, but I I mean I could tell you right now that when I'm 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 playing I, like I, I'm just you know fucking around on some of the local courses, then I'm I'm not going out there wearing tiger red. But I can tell you right now, and I'm gonna break the fourth wall. But I have my Tiger Red right in my closet when I wear it for when I'm playing in big money games. So the Tiger Red is worn on occasion. But for me, yeah, he he is the most influential athlete of all time, period. Because he, he has completely changed the reputation of golf as a whole and he's made it more of the of the common man's game that people are just going to people are just going to tune in because they want to see tiger for better and for worse i i I want to point out too because there are people that are going to just want to tune in and see tiger and see tiger not pull it out i and i know a few of them which i say to them first of all fuck you second of all you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because tiger is the fucking greatest Number one for me is I think the standard in all sports, not just the sport he played in. I think in terms of a brand, I think he's bigger than some sports leagues. And that's Michael Jordan. Yep. Plain and simple. It it is MJ. Everybody's got the Jordan standard. Everybody wants to be like Mike. And it's just the, the, his just competitive nature, I think is what fueled a lot of people, even Kobe himself. I mean, I I just think though, Jordan, I know you talked about Kobe and the younger players. I still think Jordan has that effect on players. I don't think that it's just this. I think that stems from Michael Jordan, if that makes sense. So So I'm going, I'm going Michael Jordan, man. I don't think they will ever be a Michael Jordan, no matter what the championships are, no matter any of that. I just think there's only one and and that's Michael Jordan. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that at all. Because MJ, I mean, he's a, it's a glo- he's a global figure. He is a global figure, and you know, I think when we're, I think with him as well, he's around the game. He's an owner, so he not a good one. <laughs> no, not a, not a good one. I mean, I mean, sure, but, but he's around it. He, he's he's involved with the game still, and he his legacy is going to be felt for for forever, because you're always going to have people. You know, and I think maybe the 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 older generation will say oh yeah well we saw you know we saw bill russell we 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 saw wilt chamberlain you know we saw these larger than life figures but 
nobody, nobody in basketball is ever going to compare to Michael Jordan. Like that is, like I, I think if you were doing a Mount Rushmore on just figurehead athletes, Michael Jordan probably is the George Washington of that, of that oh, Mount Rushmore. Hands down. Hands I, down. I think so. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I almost put Darrell Revis on this list, just so you know. I know we have oh. to wrap up soon. I almost put him on because he really did influence a whole gr- a generation of DBs. Because, but I digress. I, I, I don't. I, I don't want to get too much into tangent, but I, well, I just had to I put also, it out there before we wrapped up. I also, I also think that if we, if we'll, we, it, when we are still on this podcast in uh, in t- in ten years, when we redo this list eventually, Tom Brady will have to be on this list eventually. Yeah. But I, I think it's, I think it's too early considering Tom Brady literally just retired. Yep, I agree. So I think it's in, in 10 years time. Yeah. We'll be talking about tiger, uh, tiger. I, I, I just want to talk, talk about tiger all the time. Uh, we'll be seeing Tom Brady, uh, very much on, uh, on this list, but, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's it for this edition of the basement talk podcast. Subscribe five-star review tune in next week, a loaded, loaded, loaded content week next week, early on in the week. So we'll, we'll have you taken care of. All throughout the uh, the build up to the NCAA tournament, start of the NCAA tournament, and then for the start of NFL free agency as well, which starts on on Wednesday, and the legal tampering period starts on Monday. Starts air quotes starts Monday. Yeah. Starts Monday because nothing's happening right now. Nothing at all. No, and then we te- start te- signing verbally agreeing to deals of legal mm-hmm. tampering. Nope, nope, no, no teams are, are contacting players. Everyone is just keeping very quiet and making plans about how to attack free agency with legal tampering periods for some Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, but with that, I'm Bird. That's Jake. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Basement Talk Podcast. Bye. Bye.